What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast presented by Student Union Sports. Sunday goes, the Week 13 games have finished up, have come to a close, uh, and I mean, I'll be honest with you, I am so confused. So many games happened, so many things to break down that really, I mean, make sense in hindsight, but going into a game, you know, there, there's no way we could have predicted what we've seen, um, but that's what I'm here for, uh, to hopefully break it all down. I'm also joined with a good friend, friend of the program, Kelvin Del Valle, host of uh, his own podcast, which you can check out inside the game. We'll talk about that a little more, as well as his live radio show that I will be on uh, coming up. Very excited about that through the Christmas season. So be on the lookout. We'll plug all that in there. Uh, but let's get to it. My conversation with Kelvin Del Valle. We now welcome on a very special guest, recurring guest, friend of the program. It's Kelvin Del Valle. Kelvin, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. No problem. You, uh, you helped me out a lot with my podcast and radio shows, so it's it's the least I can do. Plus, it's it's good to talk sports with a good friend. So absolutely. See now, people who have been with the podcast since the beginning will be able to recognize, um, you know how how long Kelvin has been involved, uh, how long we both been involved in each other's um, sports endeavors. But we're coming yep. up on two years of of the podcast, uh, and my very first episode was was recorded with you in in your uh, in your in your bedroom. That's right. The first episode. Do you remember how we recorded that, by the way, just to let everyone know? I do. Was, fact, it that, was it that mic that you're using right there? It's it's my mic that I have. Yeah. And I, we didn't, I didn't have any of the, the sound proofing that I do now in this room. So we literally used a blanket that I'm using currently to wrap myself because it's freezing in my house. So I have it here. What are, what, what are the odds that this happens on this episode? But I got it. It was a great episode and it started... It jump started yours. It got my me going back into what I wanted to do. So we're back two years later. Yeah. No, I just what what a what a moment. I wish somebody had a picture to capture both of us just on either side of the <laughs> mic, like the the blanket over our head, so it all sounds good. Um, I mean, just, it feels just, like if you're gonna do that with someone, make sure it's someone you're comfortable being under a blanket with. And so yeah, yeah. it was it, it was yeah. a lot of fun though. Yeah, it was a good time for sure. Uh, we have a lot. Lot to cover. Um, some stuff may be a little bit tough for you, but I want to start. I want to start Sunday night football. I mean, the Broncos played a very good game, a game yep. that most people probably weren't expecting to play, a game that I thought they were capable of going into the season when I projected them at ten and six and winning a wild card spot. The defense is good. The offense has the pieces there. I think Drew Lock. People like to hate on Drew Lock, but he's been dealing with injuries. He's been dealing with you know injuries to his to his top guys, uh, top mm-hmm. weapons. And he's also a second-year guy. I mean, he's only started less than a full season of games, a full 16 games, came on in the back half of last season. Um, there's so much room for him to improve, so much room for him to grow. Uh, and that defense, we've, we've seen what they were capable of. Was there something that, that stood out to you from this game tonight from either side, something you took away from it? Well, I was in the same boat as you. I think early on we talked about this with Denver. I was so happy that my Titans were playing them in – the first game of the season because I, I at the beginning of the year I didn't want any part of them in December um, but like you stated injuries and then just a bunch of stuff happened with that organization um, obviously losing Von Miller at the beginning of the year just doesn't help right mm-hmm. it doesn't help the cause um, but 
Yeah, the game tonight was a little weird. Uh, I, I don't know if just if Kansas City is just chilling and just waiting for the playoffs. That they've the last couple of weeks have just been kind of iffy. Um, I thought they should have killed Tampa, and for some reason, that's a three point game at the end. And this one just kind of felt like I don't know. Are they the are they the best worst team in the red zone? I, I'm not entirely sure what's going on with Kansas City, uh, but I liked what I saw from Denver. I mean, look, uh, they have a quarterback, which is great. <laughs> the, the last week was. A disaster. Great shout out to, to Kendall over there. But um, yeah, I, I liked what Drew Locke did. I think the mistakes were made um, throwing the ball down the field is where those mistakes were. Um, but I mean, hey, they had a crack at it with about a minute 10 left. I don't know if a lot of teams really have that crack in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you held them to 19 points and what, like four field goals in yeah. the red zone. So, you know, a lot of stuff to build on. I think KJ Hamler dropped a big ball late, late in that game. So they'll get it. I mean, I think NBC showed a graph where all those guys are like in their young, early twenties or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they'll be fine. They'll be around for a while. Um, I think they have their quarterback. We haven't said that about Denver since Manning left, but I think they have their guy. So that's kind of what I took away. Yeah. And, and the thing is, if we talk about the Kansas city, their first five possessions, all ending in red zone trips. You got to think, man, what do they have? 24 points, you know, like yeah, if. 30, yeah. 31, like to, to sit there and say that, that in the first half of the game, they held the 12 points. It's fantastic. That's a huge win for that Denver defense. Um, but also at the same time, sure. Kansas city didn't put the points on that you'd like, but getting them in the red zone and that, I mean, it's such a, it's such a fluke, you know, you have to imagine uh, all especially because they struggled in the in the past few weeks scoring in the red zone you have to imagine in practice they're going to be figuring it out that's going to be their main their main say they almost get too technical too tricky they try to yeah. do too much like you mm-hmm. i mean it, it's very cool to see patrick mahomes run in motion to like you know catch a pass or what ended up being a direct snap there but sometimes it gets a little much and when you have yeah. guys like like tyreek that you could run on slants yep. and travis kelsey's a big body target sometimes it's simple it's just snapping the ball and and letting your receivers make plays off of your point i wonder if they're sometimes too explosive for their own good mm-hmm. well they, i think they're almost like they get they, down there and it's just like mahomes wants to throw an 80 yard pass exactly, and you're inside exactly. the 15 so no you're, uh, yeah, you're so right they, yeah. yeah you know you're so right it's like when they get in, in into short yardage situations it really shrinks the playbook a little bit because they they love you know using uh so much of the field so it's it's a weird problem to have but i I don't even know if i classify it as a problem you know like they're getting inside the five yard line that's you know you can clean those things up most teams can't even say that much you know so you you at least have that going for you Uh, but i want to talk a little bit about vic fangio broncos coach i think right now if you look at that organization we talked about the injuries just just you know missing Cortland sutton missing von miller those are Mm -hmm. those are a key piece some of the longest tenured players on your team and real difference makers. But we see, you know, you heard Chris Collinsworth talking about tonight, Drew Locke's the most comfortable rolling out in the pocket, getting on the move. He's a, he's a, he's a mobile quarterback and a guy who's accurate throwing on the run, but we see Vic Fangio putting him in the pocket so much so often. Right. Uh, And coupled with that, I, I was never a big fan of this Vic Fangio hire. If you think about where you want to take the organization, it's a youth movement right? We saw the graph. We saw all the players, Bradley Chubb on the defense, Justin Simmons. They've got some playmakers all over the ball Mm -hmm. under the age of 26. But then you go out and hire one of the oldest coaches in football 
who continually makes these conservative decisions. You, you, you think about mm -hmm. making Drew Locke a standard pocket passer, which he's not. And the big one, the biggest blunder, which I immediately tweeted, Vic Fangio deserves to be fired for this. Ball on the 50-yard line, I think it was like five minutes to go or something like that, fourth and three. You're telling me that you trust your defense against the best offense in the league over your offense against uh, against the defense to get three yards right it, sure sure so what you don't convert uh, you know that that's fine you're okay like you, you give them a short field but at least you tried like the answer sure, you have nothing to lose either because your record I mean, exactly like why not go for why not go for broke you know so so you think about especially with the analytics now we've seen that going forward on these fourth and short situations something that the best teams in the league do and convert on because it's short yards uh, is something that needs to happen with every team. But you think about where this organization wants to go, what they're trying to be, and the youth movement they have. Having Vic Fangio as a coach seems counterproductive to me. Yeah, I definitely would have brought in someone with an offensive mind. Like I would have, mm. like I would have tried to try to find the next Sean McVay or Sean Payton, just someone that could take Drew Lock and all these guys that he's throwing the football to that are all twenty something that can fly. And figured something out. Um, but they went defensive. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. They got a defensive mind head coach. Yeah. Um, maybe they thought the offense could be figured out in other places. But when I got that type of talent and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I've always, since the Manning days, that offense has just never been the same. Mm -hmm. um, and although, you know, you can say uh, the, that in those Manning days, the defense kind of carried them to a Super Bowl. I mean, Manning was just putting up on real numbers. So I, I just think they should have gotten back to that. I didn't like the Vic Fangio hire either. Um, I thought he should have stayed in Chicago to, mm. personally. I think he was great there defensively. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Not, not a fan of him. A couple decisions tonight. You know, and I don't know if this is really his fault, but going for that big, um, what was it, a 57-yarder before the half? Is that what it yeah. was that, that McManus missed? Mm. It was 57, 58 yards. Kansas City goes right down the field and they get their own field goal out of it. You end up losing by three. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's really a decision on the coach, but the punting from fourth and or from the 50 yard line on fourth and three was just weird. Mm -hmm. Jonathan, are, are you, me and you, I think are old enough to remember a time long ages ago. Do you remember a time in the NFL when fourth and two was like automatic send your punt team out there? Yeah. Like it's, it's so crazy anymore. what we're living in right yeah. now. It's like fourth and two was automatic. It was like, I wouldn't even consider going for it just years ago. And now it's like fourth and four. Everybody's just like, yeah, sure. Let's throw our offense back out there. I mean, that must mean that me as an eight-year-old was a, a genius ahead of my time, constantly going for it on fourth down because it's simple, right? You have a good offense. Why put yourself in a position where your offense isn't on the field? Like it's such sure. a basic philosophy that we see some of these younger coaches, some of these coaches that lean into analytics continually make. Frank Reich and the Colts are going for it all the time. And I absolutely love it. I mean, you look at the game today. I was at the, the Texans-Colts game. They're on the five-yard line. I think it's a, a fourth and three. They go for it. I don't agree with the play call. It was a shotgun handoff to Naheem Hines. But the decision to do that and say, okay, we're down four points. If we don't get this, instead of kicking a field goal, which puts us up six, and gives you the ball 20 yards up at the 25, 30, mm -hmm. however, maybe you get a big return. If we miss it, which we did, we put you on the five-yard line, put your offense back to the wall already, turned into a safety, right? Like these are the types of decisions, game planning, thinking ahead, instances where you do trust your defense. Uh, you know, you put yourself in a position to succeed and either way you're safe. 
And, uh, you know, maybe it doesn't turn into a safety against, you know, uh, depending on how the situation goes, but you're still asking Deshaun Watson to go 95 yards to still sure. get a touchdown. Sure. Which well, not, instead well, not of only going, that, in the, in the same game, you're mm-hmm. in, you're you're at midfield. You go well. You went for it on a fourth and five. That ended up being a touchdown pass. Yeah, yeah. Um, you punt that. That's points you left. And yeah. Points you, you so wasted. there's just a lot of teams that are just saying, "Screw it, let's just go for it." We trust our quarterback and receiving core and running backs against whatever they can throw at us, and we'll just live with whatever result is is there. Mm-hmm. I just think it's crazy. That's how that's how it's shifted. Um. I don't know. I think it's maybe come along with that mobile quarterback era that we're in now that has helped open up mm. the playbook for a million things, you know? Yeah, but, no, uh, anyway. I agree. It's, it's, it's a unique revolution that we're seeing and we're going to see coaches that are, are going to call these conservative plays and punts that get the offense off the field be left in the dust. I mean, it's very similar to what we see in the NBA in terms of, of bigs that can't shoot the three anymore. You can't yep. shoot the three we don't have a spot for you on the team. You're not versatile enough for us. Same with these coaches. You're not going to make the analytics driven decision, make a play that, that keeps the offense on the field. Sorry. We don't have a place for you. Now. I don't know if he necessarily gets fired. Uh, You know, the the team moved to four and eight on the season, but Mm -hmm. you can chalk a lot of this up to the injuries that they faced. But if I'm John Elway, who, you know, is also answers to the owner of the team sure. uh, and, and wants to bring back that winning culture that they had in the early 2000s. You have to be aggressive. You, you can't sit and wait for things to get really bad and then fire Fangio. There are plenty of good. I mean, you look at Joe Brady, the Carolina Panthers, he'd be a great fit. You look at Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator. He's also a great spot too there. And there are plenty of guys. I mean, this, this is just surface level offensive mm-hmm. coordinators I'm talking about, but there are geniuses out there. Uh, you can dip into the college level as well that are, are going to be great additions, young additions. Uh, and I, I mean, it's unfortunate, but this is the way the NFL works. You know, it's nothing against Vic Fangio. I think he's a great defensive coordinator, but there are coaches that should be in their coordinator position for a reason. Matt yeah. Patricia is another one that comes to mind. Fantastic defensive coordinator, not a great head coach. Nope. Nope. I just wonder sometimes if we can pick the brains of these coaches at the moment. And maybe we're just being ignorant because we're not at, we're not a head coach and we're not on the field having to deal with 14,000 things. But it's like you're sitting at home watching that on t- on TV cuz at home I guess it's just easier to understand opponent, time, place, when it's like you're playing the Chiefs. How many times are you going to be in a game against them? It's close. You've been able to stop them multiple times. It's just like everything was just kind of leading up to Vic Vanger just being like, screw it. Let's just go all bent out on trying to win this game. And then he pulls that thing off mm-hmm. at, at, at midfield. And I just kind of wonder sometimes if if it's a if it's a coach thing that just kind of blacks out, or, or they do they just are they are they scared of something? the media they don't want to get questioned or like how did you, i just wonder because i think it's easier maybe for me to sit at home and, and watch that and think man i'm facing mahomes do i want him to have the ball again probably not should i just go for you know i'm thinking about all these things i just wonder if i could pick that guy's brain a lot of these coaches brains nowadays um with with those type of questions well and sometimes i think it really is that simple right like yeah. let's make a play that potentially keeps patrick mahomes on the sidelines like that's, that's not, you know, you don't need data. You don't need analytics. You don't need whatever. What's my best play that gets me four yards that keeps Patrick Mahomes off the field, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and, um, but yeah, transitioning topics here a little bit, actually, 
I will say we almost missed the controversy of the year uh, with that, with that um, when they called the delay of game, when there was one second on the clock, it would have oh, yeah. put what the Broncos at a, at a massive advantage, get the ball on the 40 yard line, had uh, Harrison Butker missed only down three points. You think about the psychology of needing a touchdown compared to needing just a field goal. Sure. Uh, that's like a difference of 35 yards. Yeah. To, yeah. to, yeah. And even the plays you call, you know, and in terms of a field to go, but We'll move on from this game. I want to talk about one other uh, confusing coaching decision that has pretty much taken the Twitter world by storm. At least my Twitter feed has been all over uh, over it. The New York Jets were seconds away from winning their first game of the season. And Greg Williams, defensive coordinator, decides to call a zero blitz. And for those of you who aren't uh, aware of what that is, it's essentially where you decide to play man on the receivers that are available, send everybody else blitzing the quarterback. Now, the initial reaction, this was my reaction too, is that, okay, this came from upstairs. You know, they're saying, we got to get Trevor Lawrence. This game never should have been close in the first place. Send it all out blitz, blow the game, let Henry Ruggs score that that 48-yard touchdown. But then you think about it, uh, and I actually watched a video Dan Orlovsky posted where Greg Williams does this. This is not his first time. Maybe this is, well, actually, something interesting I want to read that that Adam Schefter posted. I saved the, the picture. So there were a hundred. There were 251 instances where we were in the last 15 seconds of the game. It was between four and six points, and there were 40 plus yards to the end zone. That was the first time since they tracked uh, since they tracked the formations of the defense in 2006. So we're talking 15 years. That was the first time a defense has ever run a zero blitz <laughs> given that situation. So first off, Greg Williams making history, but second off. There were situations like this where he's called a zero blitz. When he was defensive coordinator of the Browns, they called a zero blitz on the Broncos. It was a, a, a fourth and three. They were down a field goal um, and it worked, right? But I'm not even like, you, you think about some of those plays and you're like, oh, you know, I'm glad it worked. If it didn't, you, you're, you're an idiot. But it's like, even if that worked, even if they got pressure to the quarterback, why do it, right? <laughs> why, why put your... By the way, two of the corners that dropped back were rookies. Sure. Okay. So yep. you're putting uh, people that guys that don't have a lot of NFL game experience one-on-one with Henry Ruggs, first off, who is a speedster. We all know was a first round pick, one of the best wide receiver prospects in the draft. Uh, they're just all the way top to bottom was a terrible play call. And then you've got the captain, I believe it was Marcus May. I'm not sure on that. Jets, one of the Jets safety saying, yeah, we shouldn't have called that play. Four time, four different times in his post game interview, he said we should not have called that play. Uh, I just, I don't understand, right? Like you guys should lose their job for that. Greg Williams should be sure. fired because that is an irresponsible play call. Two things that stood out to me: number one, that's always been the controversy for me in my head on a hail mary: do I blitz or do I just send everyone back and give him all the time in the world to throw and risk, you know, him get actually getting it to the end zone, or do I send pressure? I never in my wildest dreams would have sent eight guys to go get the quarterback to, to make, to put this in Madden terms, this is you throwing engage eight. If anyone Mm. plays Madden, that's exactly what you're doing here on a hail Mary. um, When you know, they have to get to the end zone. Well, and by Uh, the way, keep, keep in mind, there's still 13 seconds on the clock. So realistically, sure. You know, there's still, they could still run another play. So why make that the end all be all play, (laughs) right? Like, Play, play prevent, put guys on the goal line, force them to throw it short and then see what happens. Right. Yep. Like, like, 
I don't know. Well, Sorry, the, what was your second thing? The, the great thing about this was watching Jacksonville at the same time as this game's happening. And it's almost as if officials from both teams are calling each other or like something was going down where both teams are watching from upstairs each other's games. And they're like, wait a minute. Is Jacksonville winning or losing? Should we try to bail? Can we win this game in case Jacksonville does beat the Vikings, which they ended up not doing? So it was just like, it was just funny to watch both those games pop up on red zone at like the same time. Um, and it was like the battle for Trevor Lawrence. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. You you put your defense in such a weird position, uh, especially your corners. And all it took was just a simple little double move. And Henry was, I mean, Henry was gone. Uh, mm. There was no way that corner was going to catch up to him. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know if – it's tough because I don't know what I would tell an 0-11 team, now 0-12, because I thought Sam Darnold played pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, thought that, I thought they played pretty good all in all. And whether, you know, we joke around and say someone called from upstairs, we need Trevor, so, you know, let's, let's bail on the game – is true or not. I, I just, I just don't know what that does to a locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when <clears throat> for a lot of these guys, they may not be one of jets, be jets long-term, but if they can win and be good, they may be able to go to another team. I, I don't know what that type of play call does to a locker room. I would love to know. Uh, but that's immediately what I thought of. I was like, dang, that offense and that team busted their butt off against an okay team. Put up that, 28 points. Sure. And this is the first time in the year that Darnold throws two touchdowns or something like that in a game. And and just to see that happen because you wanted to get greedy or you just because you wanted to blow the game or I just don't know what Gase goes into the locker room at the end of the game and says, all right, guys, well, good job. You know, like, I like, I don't know. Yeah. And, and here's the thing is I, I doubt there is a single player coach personnel guy in that locker room that is checked out for the season because sure, you know, you could say, ah, this season was awful. Like it was terrible, but the stigma of Owen 16 sticks with you, right? Wherever you go, Greg Williams, defensive coordinator, Adam Gase, the head coach, Owen 16 is going to stick with you, right? Like it, it's going to follow you wherever you go. We still uh, talk about the lions. Yeah, <laughs> today we do. <laughs> like, right. And that's the thing is you talk about Owen 16. Oh, the lions yep. immediately, immediately. That's what we go to. And, and that's because we don't forget, you know? And so it's like, oh, we put them in the same conversation, whatever. But man, yeah, very confusing play call. I don't really know. I don't really know what to make of it, but I think we spent too much time talking about the the Jets. Um, we're going to keep it moving. Imagine, well, imagine being Trevor Lawrence at home watching football and Jacksonville and the Jets are playing at the same time. And he's watching the last like three and a half minutes of each game. That must have been excruciating, but well, anyway. and you know, I, I'll be honest with you. You look at especially Jacksonville. I don't. I mean, you can. The Jets have played in some close games, but if I'm Trevor Lawrence, you look at the fight that Jacksonville's put on. Like they've been in almost every game they've played. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like they, they this team could just as easily be a game below 500 as yeah. you know as they are one and eleven right now. Should have beaten Cleveland two weeks ago. Yeah. Should have mm-hmm. beaten Minnesota now. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So it's, yeah, a, a lot of things could happen, but I want to talk some, something maybe a, a little bit tough for you. Um, I'm going to talk Titans Browns. Kelvin is a Titans fan. Uh, I mean, this was Baker's best game as a pro by far best half because, you know, it wasn't really, he didn't have to do much in the second half, but um, what we saw from him, the throws he was making, 
uh, he was in a groove. Like we're talking, we're talking Oklahoma Baker um, in terms of his of his play this this game. What what stood out to you from the Browns uh, so far, or at least in this game? Um, yeah, I think this was Baker's probably his best game. Like you said, as a pro, um, he looked very comfortable. It's the first time I've seen him that way. Just kind of like, just whatever. Even pregame, watching him, he just kind of seemed kind of just relaxed and chill. Uh, he usually has that like scared look on his face when he's on the sideline being a Brown. He looked okay. Um, and so when he got to the field, he just kind of showed it. Um, they kind of flipped the script on what I think the Titans thought they were going to do. I mm. think Tennessee was ready for the run. Um, and they said, well, fine, we're going to run it a couple times and forget it. We're going to sling it with Baker and we're going to test your corners. And sure they did. I mean, it was just, it was just one thing after the other in the first half. But, uh, you know, e even with the turnovers, they turned the ball. Titans failed on a fourth and one. Thought the spot was a little iffy, but whatever. And then Derrick Henry fumbles. Baker's still required to produce mm -hmm. despite, you know, despite that. So, and he did. I thought it was the best game of him as a pro. Um, I would have maybe liked to see him, you know, from a by un objective perspective, do something in the second half but they had the field goal kick that kind of just kind of iced the whole deal when they scored their 41th point, 41st well, point. Yeah. And I, I do, I do want to ask you about this. Um, is it an overreaction? Because the way that this team is built, they were built to get a lead and keep a lead, right? Correct. Which they did, you know, up 38 to seven at halftime, obviously a, a big thing, but you look at the tackles, Jedrick Wills, Jack Conklin, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, should is it an overreaction to like there be a slight hesitation that they got outscored 28 to three in the second half? Well, this has happened twice to the Titans already. Uh, when Pittsburgh came to town, they were up, I think, 24 to three at half, mm -hmm. and that game ended 27 24 off a Gostowski missed kick. And if that kick goes in, the Titans get the ball in overtime, I think they score. Momentum had just completely flipped. Mm -hmm. So I think it says a lot more about the Titans not being able to start off well against good football teams. Um, and so those two big losses have have had to require Derrick Henry being completely nullified <clears throat> because you can't run him at that point. And Tannehill having to do some unbelievable heroics late in games to try to get back into it. Um but if I'm Cleveland, yeah, I'm a little concerned that it came down to an onside kick um, because that was never supposed to be the case. I mean, Baker shouldn't even play the fourth quarter. I mean, mm -hmm. when you went into halftime, if you're Stefanski, you're thinking to yourself, great. If I can get another touchdown here in the third quarter, Baker and these yeah, guys, they didn't have it. to play, and we're ready for next week. Instead, you know, it goes – Titans, Titans, touchdown, and then things just kind of snowballed, and then they scored two in about a minute span at the end. Um, I didn't really take too much away from either team, to be honest. I really wasn't impressed with Tennessee. I wasn't impressed too much with the Browns in the second half. So it was a tale of two halves. Um, but if anything stood out, it was definitely Baker for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Huge, huge game from him, no doubt about it. Okay, so I want to talk, this is, I mean, this is an interesting, we'll, we'll kind of just jump over both of them pretty quick. Um, actually, we'll just go all three. The NFC North has now put themselves in the playoff conversation in a very weird way, right? The Vikings had a terrible start to the season. 
after beating the Jaguars, albeit in overtime, they're now six and six. They actually are in the seventh seed after the, uh, the Arizona Cardinals lost today. Um, and right behind them are two teams, the, the Bears and the Lions, who, you know, the Lions coming off of a, a fantastic day from, from Matthew Stafford, not having DeAndre Swift, not having Kenny Galladay. Mm-hmm. These are, I mean, it, it's two good football teams, but you look at what the Cardinals have done. Um, is there, I mean, who, who gets that last wildcard spot? I mean, right now, I think the four teams that we're looking at are the, or five teams, I should say, is the Cardinals, the Bears, the Vikings, the Lions, and the 49ers who are, you know, if they win, they beat the Bills tomorrow night, they move to six and six and, and, and right in that conversation. But who, who out of those five teams do you think is probably going to get that last wildcard spot? Oh, boy. Uh, I don't trust the Bears at all. Hundred percent. Yeah, uh, I don't trust Trubisky. That's six straight, six straight losses, by the way, since yeah. starting five and not, one. Not a fan of that. So I'd take them out of the conversation. I don't really know if I trust Detroit either, just because they've never shown me to. I like Stafford. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, I, I don't know. I kind of like the 49ers in there. They have been. I don't know. Have they been hit the worst in terms of injuries? Them or the Eagles? One of yeah. the two. Yeah. Um. But they're still fighting, uh, and Kyle Shanahan's a genius. Um, so I maybe would give them the edge, although you know, I, I, Minnesota, I could see it. I think it'd be between, it'd be between Minnesota and the Niners at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the way that the Niners are playing a little bit more than maybe Minnesota, although they've rallied what I think is four straight. Is it four straight for Minnesota? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Four straight. Yeah. So. But it took everything in their will to beat Jacksonville, who's really not that good. Um, and the last time we saw the 49ers play, they beat the Rams, who just beat the Cardinals. Who so it's like a weird mix of like, yeah, yeah, everyone's beaten everybody. But I think if I had to bet money, 49ers are at the Bills, or is that at home? Uh, no, it's it's, no, the one, it's in it's Arizona, Arizona, right? Yeah, it's, it's in Arizona. Arizona. That's tough. And that's I think if change, I, that'll change the perspective of things. I think if yeah. the, if the 49ers go and beat the Bills then all of a sudden we're looking at them as a team that's able to beat some I mean, obviously they also beat the Cardinals last week too, but that's two straight weeks. Do uh, we know if Garoppolo's done for the year? No, I think he's coming back soon in a couple of weeks. Yeah, but it's Nick Mullins tomorrow. Give me, give me, give me Kyle Shanahan and the Niners to take that Mm -hmm. last wild card. Okay. Uh, I don't trust Kirk Cousins either. I think it's just maybe a quarterback thing with the, with the Vikings and the Bears. Mm Um. But either way, whoever wins that last wild card is traveling to Green Bay, most likely. I was looking yeah. at the moment. <laughs> Neither one of those three teams are going to win, in my opinion. But uh, I think the Niners, I think, would have the best chance. Now, of course, this is all depending on tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a tough one to go against because we don't know what we're going to see and, and what they're capable of. But, um, yeah, I, I would say for me it's between Arizona and Minnesota. I think what we've seen – from the Vikings basically saying, you know, Dalvin Cook's going to get you 100 yards on the ground. Can Kirk Cousins produce? Well, they've given him – I mean, this trade in the offseason is about as even as you can get. The The Vikings essentially traded Stephon Diggs for Justin Jefferson. And yeah. 10 times out of 10, I think that makes sense for both teams. You look mm-hmm. at, at what it brings uh, and what both teams are looking for. Um, so I think it's going to come down to Kirk Cousins. You know, can we trust Kirk Cousins? Uh, and that's an iffy question. That's a question, you know, we, we may not know, but before we move on, I, I want to say this one thing, the Cliff Kingsbury experiment in Arizona might be coming to an end sooner than we think. You think so? 
you, you look at the talent that they've built on this Arizona Cardinals team. Uh, I think it was terrible clock management, terrible just time management overall. And it was a coaching loss last week against the Patriots with, with Arizona or two weeks ago. I agree. Uh, and yeah. what they have in Kyler Murray combined with DeAndre Hopkins uh, is, is, is interesting. I don't know. Look, I, I don't know where exactly the blame should go, but if they don't get that, that Hail Mary uh, touchdown against the five Bills a couple seven, weeks right? ago, yeah. they'll have dropped four straight. They're under five. They're five and seven, right? Yeah. Like this is not a good situation for them to be in, uh, especially going down the stretch. I don't know exactly who to put the blame on, but right now, from just an outside perspective, I think it's got to go on Cliff Kingsbury. I think they are one of those teams that they have to be hot to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like they can they can adjust from quarter to quarter, which, like you said, and like I I love judging head coaches, you know, off of coming out of halftime, coming off a loss, coming on after your bye. Those are just things that I like judging head coaches on. It just seems they're very quarter to quarter. Mm-hmm. that's not winning you a championship. Uh, yeah. And that's just kind of how I see the Cardinals kind of work. Everything looked great today. Fourth quarter, what a disaster. <laughs> um, and so, you know, whether it's not being able to block for Kyler Murray and him running for his life, I think they fumbled, what, twice or once through a pick. Uh, I think Kingsbury does deserve some of the blame. I think they're a year out. Mm-hmm. I'd give them another year. Yeah. Um. Get the offensive line right. That's still not a sure. good offensive oh, line. Oh, my goodness. Ab- absolutely. Get that thing fixed. Um, but I think I'd give him a year. Give me Kingsbury for another year with Kyler uh, and, and and get everything straight and organized correctly because it just seems like they're very, they're very streaky, not even in the season, but streaky in-game. Yeah. And you got to yeah. find some type of consistency somewhere. If your mm-hmm. passing game isn't going – get your running game rolling. If it's not that, you know, it's just maybe a little too Kyler dependent could be. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'd give him another year, I think. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's part of it. I think I, I should say is when I say it's coming to a close soon, I don't necessarily mean by the end of this season, but I mean, going into next year, it's playoffs or bust. If they don't make the playoffs, you know, this is, there, there is a serious situation. Um, but okay. Two things. Then we're going to get to the preview because we still have three games to preview, but we'll, we'll hit those quick. Okay. If you're in Eagles management, Jalen Hurts or Carson Wentz rest of the season. Um, I, look, the Giants are now five and seven. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And the Eagles are now three, eight and one. Is that correct? Yes. Look, I'm going to start Jalen Hurts um, next week, which would be fun because we get Taysom Hill and <laughs> Jalen Hurts. Um, but. I think at this point, Carson has just mentally checked out. Not only that, has been hit 50 times and sacked. So I think that's gotten to him. I think mentally he's just not in an okay place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it sucks for him to drive to work every morning and see a championship banner that he doesn't get any credit for. I think it sucks to drive to work in the morning and see a nine-and-a-half-foot statue of their backup quarterback calling Philly Philly with Doug Peterson standing outside the stadium. I think that hits Carson Wentz. I think it hits him a lot that they drafted a quarterback and he hasn't handled that correct. Now, 
I'm not going to blame them a thousand percent because, I mean, we I just mentioned a minute ago, is it them or the 49ers that have gotten hurt more this mm-hmm. year? Yeah. I mean, my goodness gracious, it seems like every week it's a different offensive line. He's throwing to some different wide receiver. They've got some different running back. They're either activating or deactivating. The defense, you know, the front seven's okay. I think one of the better ones in the league, to be honest. But the secondary, there's always guys coming off of IR and getting hurt and this and that. So I can't blame it entirely on him, but I see things that he does that are his fault. And I'm like, dude, like you didn't do that two years ago. Not mm-hmm. even like last year. Um, I, I just think at this point, it is so far beyond repairable mentally for him. And I really just don't care. I think he's extremely talented, but that doesn't do me any good if you're not there mentally at all. For example, look at the guy he just played against. They didn't even draft anyone to help him offensively. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, we watched and witnessed them trade up to get a quarterback in Jordan Love. And Rodgers just kind of shrugged it off and said, you know what? I would have liked a wide receiver, but all right, let's go be nine and three. And that guy's not going to be a threat for me for the next three years. See, Carson can't get there mentally, whatever it is, whether it's from that Super Bowl or whatever it is. He hears the media. I I don't know. But mentally, he's just not there. I drafted Jalen Hurts. He kind of looked okay, to be honest. I mean, you, uh, you, take a, you take away that holding call on that Boston sure. Scott run, and they may have touchdowns on two straight possessions. Yeah, yeah. And so you got a real chance to win a football game that you're not, you have no business winning. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I'd start them. Uh, I don't know if they can reach or catch the Giants. I don't think anything, any team can. We'll see what Washington does tomorrow night. But, um, so I would go Jalen Hurts. I think maybe it's time for Carson to find a new home and maybe a new home. It's just what it is. There's teams out there that are quarterback away. Um, I think think of a few, especially after the season's over, we could have some oldies getting out of the league. Mm-hmm. Those teams are ready for a quarterback. Maybe it just takes a Carson Wentz. I just think he needs to get out of that scenario in Philly. I think just mentally what he has to look at every day and hear every day is just it's not it's just not working for him mentally at this point yeah i i do think philadelphia is a is a toxic organization right like a fan base you know they expect a lot and if you don't get you know if they're not giving then it's you know oh you know here here you're gonna hear it from every every side and i think you hit it spot on and there are two there are two reactions to having a quarterback drafted high that could replace you and one of them is what Aaron Rodgers did. The other one is what Carson Wentz did. And I think it's a question of, of mental toughness, which I think you alluded to a little bit talking about it. What is your response going to be, right? And so that means what I'm looking from Carson Wentz now in a sense of where the, the deck is stacked, everything's against him. He's got to be the leader and he's got to step up is that two years ago. And this is, I defended Carson Wentz for a while. You know, sure I thought, did. I, I did also, you know, I, I, he's, and I do think he is a very talented quarterback, but because we kept going back to the MVP season where he could have won MVP if he didn't tear his ACL. And I think it came down to the situation was right. Uh, and the team around him was good and he was able to thrive in that opportunity. But now when, when adversity strikes, it's a whole different story. And so I'm going to do what I've done with every quarterback who's in a tough situation, who is potentially going to be a free agent, who is potentially going to be on the trade market. I'm going to say Indianapolis, pick up the phone and call 
I, I have I have mapped Matt Stafford to the Colts. I have mapped Sam Darnold to the Colts, Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston, uh, you know, because that's where we're at. But maybe that's what he needs. You think about Indianapolis, a small market team, even when you're winning a lot of games, you don't hear a lot of buzz about them, Mm-mm. you know. Uh, and he gets to be reunited with his head coach, Frank Reich, or his mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, Frank Reich from Philadelphia, who people are starting to realize was probably more the architect for that Super Bowl run than everybody, Doug Peterson, than yeah. Doug Peterson, right? Like, and, and so the tide's turning on that a little bit. And especially if they do go Jalen Hurts the rest of the season and they're looking for, you know, a replacement, send a second, send a second round pick. Send, sure. a, send a couple of picks, whatever the case, you know, send a first round, you know, the, like this, it's worth a look. And I think he is one of those guys that in the off season, we're going to be talking about could probably use a change of scenery. Your, uh, your team's going to be very interesting. They're going to be in a lot of conversation mm-hmm. when the season's over, no yes. matter how it ends for you guys. Um, like I'm starting to talk now, as... but I think, I think in the off season, every major media network is going to say, sure. If I'm a quarterback, who uh, like Matt Stafford, who's been on bad teams his whole life, his whole career needs needs a, a new a new leaf, turn, you know, get into a new situation. The Indianapolis Colts are going to be hosting a lot of quarterbacks in the offseason. Oh, absolutely, as I, they should. As as much as division rivals, we've you know we are. I told my dad today. I said, "There's you know, because we we're talking about Dak Prescott and the Cowboys." Mm-hmm. And I was telling you know he was like, "Well, do you think they would leave? That he would leave." And I said, look, if he does want to get out, um, I think there's a few teams that I think are just a quarterback away. Mm-hmm. Um, and Indianapolis would be pretty much on the top of my list. That's a Super Bowl-ready team, like today, yeah. Yeah. With, a, with a quarterback, with a whatever. A better Phillip Rivers. I don't know. A younger Phillip Rivers, I think you're in the Super Bowl. Just give it some, For real. Cause I like, want a guy who moves a little bit. Yeah, just, that, just that's all you need. Bit, you know? Because your defense is set. Forget it. And you, you, may, you really – your star, I guess, is T.Y. Hilton, but you just got a bunch of guys you throw in there. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like wide receiver and running back by committee, and no one ever knows what to expect. I think that team is ready, and I've said this for years, and you've witnessed it. I think you have the best head coach GM combo in football. Um, I was just saying yesterday, I, I wish I could sign him to a 10-year contract. Yeah, Lock him up for the rest both of their of them. lives. Get them both. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I think Indianapolis is going to be an interesting spot. Could Carson end up there? Maybe. Uh, but I think you're going to be in a lot of conversations I because I don't see Phillip Rivers there next year, depending on how the season goes the rest of the way. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think there's going to be many quarterbacks. I think if we get Breeze and Brady to retire, I think both of those teams are almost Super Bowl ready. Mm-hmm. Just plug in a Dak or a Carson or a Matt Stafford yeah. or a, just plug in somebody. Imagine, imagine Matt Stafford on the Bucks. That's yeah, you, I mean, Bruce Arians just falls all in love again. He just yes, slings the ball yes. everywhere. Well, everywhere. and you think about it, Matt Stafford is basically a Jameis Winston who turns the ball over less in terms of arm talent and yeah. ability. Like, I, I really do think that's the case. Could Matt Ryan be finding a new home? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people are, are really low on him, but is Jimmy Garoppolo done in San Francisco? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He could be on the move. I think there's just a lot of guys that could slide into some potential – uh, Super Bowl winning rosters or contenders that don't just have it now that are, could potentially have it next year. And I Absolutely. think this guy here in Dallas could be one of them. That's a topic for a completely different day. But I keep telling people, please do not be shocked 
Uh, I'm one of the very few that believe he could not be a Cowboy next year. But anyway, we'll continue. Sorry. All right. So, yeah, we've been talking for a while, and I love it. Great <laughs> conversation. Um, but we're going to hit these previews, and we're going to hit them quick. All right? So I'm going to okay. – we're just going to go game by game. I'm going to say what I'm looking for um, in each game, and then I want you to say what you're looking for and, and then pick the winner. So this Washington Steelers game is a lot more interesting than I think people realize. Ben Roethlisberger, it was announced that he would most likely play. We're not sure, but probably. I mean, it's Big Ben. He's played through just about every injury conceivable. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But this game is a lot closer than I think people are going to realize. Bud Dupree went down for the season. Wish him a speedy recovery. But (laughs) we watched RG3 and the Ravens run through the Steelers. You look at what Antonio Gibson has done this season uh, and – who knows, right? So this is my caveat for the game. I think if Antonio Gibson gets 120 all-purpose yards, so r- rushing and receiving, I think Washington wins this game. Okay. And, and that's what wow. I'm going to say. Anything else is a Steelers win, but if we get 120 yards from Antonio Gibson, all-purpose, Washington wins that game. And the Steelers are 11-1. I want to watch Washington's front against that offensive line that Pittsburgh has. I think that'll determine the game if they can get to Big Ben and make sure that he doesn't get out of the pocket, they'll have a shot. Uh, I'm, I'm not sold on Pittsburgh yet, even at 11-0. They came here and almost lost to Garrett Gilbert. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they should have lost, or they could – I don't know. I think there's just a lot of games. There's a number of games, yeah. You can we we about talked it. about this. They, they're, they're kind of like last year's Packers, where it was like mm-hmm. every game was decided by three points, and the Packers were somehow 13-3. and three. And it caught not up Not sold him. on this. Um I do think the Steelers win, though, but I think it's not going to be some crazy blowout, boring Monday night football game. I'll go shoot. I'll even tell you a score. I'll go. I'll go 20, 23. I'll go 21, 20 Pittsburgh. Okay. All right. That's a close. Squeeze one. it out. Yeah. All right. Bills 49ers. This line has been moving. It started at two and a half in favor of the Bills. Obviously, basically a neutral field now in yep. Arizona. Yep. We talked about the 49ers. What's at stake for them? The Bills, if they lose, are tied with the Dolphins in that AFC East, and the and the Patriots lurk just two games behind. You know they're right there, and they get Pittsburgh the following week. So exactly. So out of you know you talk about must win games for both teams. Mm-hmm. This is this is a big big deal for both mm-hmm. teams. Um, for the 49ers, I want to see I want to see them get established um, in, in the run game because that's going to open up things, make things easier for Nick Mullins. Um, so I, I, that's what I'm looking for, for them, for the bills. Honestly, I think it's the same thing. We haven't seen enough from Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. I loved Zach Moss coming out of the draft. I thought he was going to play the Frank Gore role. He's missed a couple of games, but he's looked good in spurts, mm-hmm. but I want a full game from both. So whoever can establish the run game more effectively is going to win this game. Um, but to make a prediction, I'm going to say Buffalo takes this one. Um, just because you have that quarterback play with it. Um, but like, you talked about it. Kyle Shanahan is not a guy that we should uh, we should mm-hmm. undermine. I'm going to go with the same unit against the same unit for the other game. But I'm going to go 49ers D-line to Buffalo's offensive line. I think it's kind of similar. You're playing big quarterbacks. But Josh Allen can move. This guy can move. Uh, if you can keep him in the pocket, maybe he gives a 49ers chance. I mean, that we just saw them run all over Jared Goff and the Rams mm-hmm. just a week ago. Uh, it seemed like they couldn't block anyone. So, and they made Jared Goff look very pedestrian. I think he threw three interceptions last week. So yeah. 
49ers can can do it. Uh, I'll take I'll take the upset. Give me the Niners on a neutral site. I think that defensive line, even without uh, Bosa there, I think that defense wins this games for them. And uh, I'll take Kyle Shanahan's brilliance. Although I love Buffalo, I think they're very well coached. I think that's one of the better coaching staffs in the league. Uh, but give me the Niners on uh, on their new home for we'll see how long in Arizona. Well, I will say Buffalo is no stranger to disappointment in Arizona. Just just uh, four short weeks ago, um, so you know anything anything can happen. I'm with you there. Psyche, yeah. psyche. It's all it is. All right, one final game: um, Cowboys Ravens. Lamar Jackson is going to be all set to go. Should be clear tomorrow from the COVID protocol. Uh, the line reads Baltimore. Yeah, I know. We, I mean, that's a whole different story there. Um, but the line reads eight and a half in favor of Baltimore. I don't know what it is. I, I want to believe in this Cowboys team. I'll, I'll tell you what. I've, I've come to the conclusion that Mike McCarthy calling plays is like that. And we've all had situations like this. I know we have. Where it's like, you know that friend that'll like tell a joke that everybody laughs and they start to feel themselves a little bit, right? And they're like, okay, I'm the funny guy now. They tell another joke that doesn't quite hit the same. Sure. That is Mike McCarthy coaching the Dallas Cowboys. He'll make a play. They'll run a little trickery. We'll be like, wow, that was really smart. Well-timed, got what the results you wanted through the defense off balance. And he starts to feel himself a little bit. Call something similar, yep. totally screws it up. Doesn't have the, the the surprise effect whatsoever. I think about that Cedric Wilson fake punt when it was a four point game in the fourth quarter. They lost forty three to sixteen, but it was a four point game in the fourth quarter. Why not just punt the ball or go for it? Don't get cute and run mm-hmm. ten yards behind the line of scrimmage. I don't care if there was. I saw something about there was a guy that was open that Cedric Wilson missed. Yeah, no, I don't no. care. That's just, a, that's, if you're going to go for it, go. For, don't get cute. So that is what Mike McCarthy has become for me. Uh, but I will say keys to this game, give Tony Pollard the ball. Sure. Like stop playing around with this. Zeke is fumbling, whatever. I know you don't want to go back on your 60-year, $90 million deal, which I said was a mistake from the second they signed it. Not to pat myself on the back. I've also said it with every running back. The only running back contract I was okay with was Derrick Henry's because they got him at such a good price for that production for a guy who almost carried you to the Super Bowl. You can't <laughs> pay that guy enough. Everybody else, it's a big question mark. Zeke, absolutely. But whatever, it, it, it's a thing in economics, sunk costs. Zeke's not the same guy he was three years ago. You know who's really good, who's really effective running the ball? Tony Pollard in the limited options. Give him That's the ball more. And just put the ball in the hands of your playmakers. Don't drive the ball down the field. C.D. Lamb was a magician after the catch in college, right? Mm-hmm. Let him do that again. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It's it's very simple. It's a simple scheme that, like, you know, there's a reason why they almost beat the Steelers. Was with Garrett Gilbert, they kept it very simple. And it wasn't complex, right? And that's the same thing they need to do. All of that being said, this Ravens run defense or this, this offense ability to run is absolutely insane. I think the only way that the Cowboys stand a chance is they can hold them to under 200 total team rushing yards, but I don't think that's possible. Um, so I'm going to go Ravens and I'm going to say, I think the Cowboys cover, I think eight and a half is a lot of points. 
So I'm thinking somewhere, I'm thinking like 28 to 24. That's my score for this game. But just keep it simple, Dallas. Yeah. It's not that hard. You mentioned CeeDee Lamb. You got three guys that practically do the same thing. Just get mm-hmm. the ball in their hands, quick little slants, quick little ounce, and let them let them get seven, ten yards. Yeah. It's funny that you bring up that fake punt. I'm going to bring a little caveat before I give my, my prediction. If you look at that fake punt and you watch a couple of uh, these two clips side to side and you watch the Cowboys, and I get it, it was a different time of the game and everything, but the Cowboys, when they ran that fake punt and gave it to Cedric Wilson 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage to try to get a fourth and 10, right? I went back and I checked just how far back Odell Beckham got on that end around against the Cowboys. It was practically the exact same distance, and that was executed better than he got. I scored a touchdown, matter of fact. Mm-hmm. He got all yeah. the way down the field. That was executed better than the Cowboys trying to do the fake punt. Now, I get a different situation, but that clip came to my mind, and I wanted to throw that out there. I was talking to someone with that. I was like, man, that's so embarrassing that that play worked and on your defense, and that just didn't work. It was a disaster. But anyway, um, yeah, to this game, Keep it simple. I'm a little iffy on Baltimore. I, I I get they've had their issues. I thought they should have beat the Steelers Wednesday. I I, I don't know. It just that they've just been a little weird lately. Um, my stock on Lamar is going down just a tad. Mm-hmm. We talked about this. You were on my show. I remember it clear as day. His arm is going to determine what type of career this guy has because we know he can fly. That's not a question. Uh, so yeah, I, I'll take a close one. Man, I may actually have to take the Cowboys here. I think the Cowboys sneak out a low, very low score game. Give me like, give me something we saw tonight. Give me like a 19 to 16 or give me like a a 13 to 10. Something ridiculously low scoring, I think is what we'll see on what, Tuesday night football? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Tuesday night football. All right, well. Get it to those three guys. Don't try to sling it with Andy Dalton. Just get it to those three guys. Don't get cute. Keep it, keep it simple, stupid. Oof. The kiss method. That's absolutely that's Mike McCarthy's key to the game. Death by a thousand paper cuts. Three yards, three yards, three yards, three yards, all the way down the field. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is you get the ball in their hands. They could break it big, right? Yeah, it, it, but you absolutely. don't have to drive it down the field. You know, just yep. get it in their hands. Let them do yep. the work. Uh, but Kelvin, this has been great. Always yes. a good chance uh, to get to talk to you. Take a little bit. Tell us where we can find you. Tell Tell us where they can listen to me more, I guess, you know, as That's right. the, the December season. So uh, you can check out our podcast as well. I've been trying to stay as consistent as possible and put out, I think Tuesday and Friday episodes. Uh, Friday has been the pretty, con- or Tuesday, sorry, has been the pretty consistent day. We're trying to throw Friday in there. Uh, me and Alan are getting our schedules together, but anyway, uh, so check that out. You can find that as well. Anywhere you get your podcast, it's called inside the game as well. Um, and then the radio show that we have every single Thursday, it's from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, it's two hours straight, barely any commercials, of just straight sports talk. Jonathan is pretty consistently my 12 o'clock guest that I get on the show, and uh, we talk for a good 20, 25 minutes about sports. Um, so you guys can watch that on Facebook. All you have to do is go to uh, Joko Community Radio on Facebook. You can watch the show there, comment live and do all that fun stuff. And uh, if you want to follow me at Twitter and yell at my crazy sports thoughts, it's at uh, K Del Valle, D-E-L-V-A-L-L-E, and then the number 28, and then Del again. I got to change that. That's really confusing. I don't know what I'm doing. I'll change it, but that's what it is at the moment. So 
that's where you can find it. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks to Jonathan, of course, always. I love, I love being a part of this. So thanks, man.